This is episode 8 with Cassia Takama, designer, sewer, mother, and today we're talking all about organic baby and kid clothing. Kids' pajamas, they'll use polyester because polyester can't catch on fire. So that's one that they'll use, but polyester melt. Mm. So they, the child would still get burned exactly. if it melts. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Happy New Year! Uh, this will be the first episode of the New Year 2020. So Happy New Year. Take note that there will be a bonus PDF document that will be with this episode and also available on our website www.citruslove.com slash this episode number eight. Since we're talking all about organic kids clothing, and I love to try new companies, smaller businesses. So we have put together a list of organic kids clothing companies in Canada, some in the US, if you're interested in purchasing from some companies and not sure where to start or uh, which ones to look at. First, this will be kind of helpful for you as a guideline. All the websites and names of the companies as reference that will be helpful for you if you are interested in buying your first pieces or to buy from different uh, places. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just quickly to let you know that this episode, it was important for me to have one and talk about what exactly is the big thing around organic kids clothing and how to know what you're buying. Is it really worth the price? and how to know if it's truly organic. And after that, you can choose if you do want to make a purchase of organic kids clothing for your kids, you'll be better informed consumers. And it's a topic that I couldn't find for myself. So I thought, hey, why not talk about it? Kids have to get dressed. So might as well talk about something that's becoming more and more popular these days. Uh, lots of small businesses popping around and even the bigger brands um, jumping on the wagon of organic clothing. So just to make sure that you know what you're buying, what you're not buying, and just being conscious of it. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode. And make sure to check out the PDF file that will be included in bonus materials on the podcast and as well as on our website. Welcome, Cassia Takaman. Thank you for being on Citrus Lab, the podcast today. Uh, this is going to be a good topic to talk about with mothers and parents. So we're talking about everything organic baby and kids clothing. 
in I say in the last few years, we've seen so many organic foods. We've been following that. What about organic clothing? We haven't been hearing a lot about that, but you're seeing lots of brands and big companies, including a more eco-friendly line to their their stores. I'll just start with a few statistics I found to put everyone in the loop about what's been going on. As I said, we've seen a rise the last few years of organic apparel and natural children's brand following organic foods and the whole food and wholesome life. Millennials and families are becoming more and more conscious shoppers, focusing on healthier life choices for ourselves and for our kids. So a few stats, according to the Organic Trade Associations from the 2017 report, in Canada, the total organic market is estimated at $5.4 billion. 66% of Canadian shoppers are purchasing organic items weekly that may include food, any other products. 41% of Canadians are very or somewhat familiar with the organic logo. 48% of Canadians rate the Canada organic logo as trustworthy. So only half of them trust the organic logo. So what about the organic textiles? So specifically for organic textiles, the report from 2016 and 2017, 18 countries produce organic cotton and the top producers are at 51% India, then China, Kyrgyzstan, Turkey, United States is only 4%, and Tanzania, 3%. So it takes three years for a farmer to transition its land to certified organic, clearing the soil of pesticides and chemicals. A few top brands that manufacture certified organic textile, which produce in volume that you might recognize are H&M, Zara, Nike, Mech, and Patagonia. And finally, the God Certified Organic Stamp of Approval, the Global Organic Textile Standard, which has very strict guidelines for the entire post-harvest processing of the textile, the fabric. So the spinning, the knitting, the weaving, the dyeing, and the manufacturing manufacturing of the organic fiber, and they prohibit the use of toxic products added during the processing stages and a prohibition on child labor. So in 2018, there were 5,760 GOTS facilities in 64 countries, which most of them are in the United States. In 2017, the U.S. Department of Agriculture issued a policy which indicate that products containing organically grown fibers processed with God may be marketed as organic. But in Canada, it's a little bit different. So according to the Organic Council of Canada in 2017, the federal regulations does not include textile or clothing. It's specifically for agricultural products like seeds, and it's not regulated for non-food products when it, it comes to being labeled organic. So that's just a brief <laughs> a brief overview, lots of uh, info here. Uh, <laughs> so you might need to re-listen to this part. So Cassia, first of all, we'll simplify it with your help today because you've been involved in the process like from the A to Z of creating organic baby and kids clothing in Canada. 
why did you decide to immerse yourself and work in organic baby kids pajamas? Oh my gosh, the big why question, right? So thank you. I I didn't get a chance, but thank you so much (laughs) for having me. And you've got some great statistics there. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know what, some of your statistics actually tie into my why a little bit, because Mm -hmm. um, when I became pregnant with my daughter, you, it's like you're immediately inundated with like baby world Mm -hmm. and you are being shouted at from every which direction about all these things that you have to have. Mm -hmm. And it's not just things you, you know, things you might need or no, the advertising is actually kind of scary. It's, it's that you, these are, you're not going to live without it. If you have a newborn, you, you can't live without these things. And I found that the baby industry, clothing, toys, Um, accessories, everything. I found it really, really overwhelming. And that was kind of my first little spark where I thought, this is a bit crazy. These poor people that are new parents are being inundated about all these things they have to have. And how much of it do we actually need to survive? Mm -hmm. When I decided that I wanted to start a company that made clothing, I kind of looked around at what other people were doing and what was doable for me. I was a brand new sewer, like literally hadn't stitched a garment before 2016. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my parents went South for the winter and I borrowed my mom's sewing machine and I was like, I can do this. My grandma did this. My mom does this. I could do this. Part of that came from after having my daughter, I just found that All these things that I was inundated, especially around clothing that I I quote unquote needed, didn't fit. Like nothing fit my daughter very well. What do you mean? Like the the sizing or? Sizing was crazy. Everything was either really wide or it was too long. It was just, it was super confusing because there's no standardized sizing amongst kids stuff. It's all different depending on what brand. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just decided that for the price that they wanted, I could probably make some of the basics better myself. When I started making them, I realized I could absolutely make the basics better myself. I needed something to keep me busy. I needed something to do. And so <laughs> I I decided to start a company. <laughs> Great. So, so you um, needed something to keep busy with a newborn at home, like I, just for I yourself. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? You know what? I think looking back, I probably had, not probably, I did have really bad postpartum anxiety. Mm. And I went from this extremely busy, high stress job. I was a social worker with a very high caseload. I was, I worked long hours and suddenly I was at home with this newborn and I didn't feel like I was doing anything. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I, I, I was doing lots. I was raising a human, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I, I felt like I needed something else. I needed something to keep my brain busy and something to do in the in-between times. So I didn't just feel overwhelmed by the feeling that I wasn't doing as much, which may sound a bit strange, but it, it, it was kind of an overwhelming feeling for me. So I decided I would give it a go. And my idea was just to do just to sew for smaller markets and not to be very big, but just to do it sort of for fun. Um, I was serious about it, but sort of for fun. And 
when I started to research what other people were putting out there and what I wanted for my own child, kind of stumbled into the organics textile industry. And that's where I found that Canada was really, really lacking. Mm -hmm. Like you said, in your statistics, we're really lacking around regulation. Mm -hmm. And we're really lacking around actual organic product clothing for, for kids and adults, actually, that are produced in Canada. Any Google search, when you go and try to find organic clothing made in Canada, it's, it's pretty interesting how little comes up. So that kind of immediately told me that when you're going into the market with a new business, you don't want to be doing what everyone else is doing. You want to do what everyone else isn't doing. Mm -hmm. And I had already stumbled onto kind of some information around organic textiles that I liked the production and that they were um, there's less chemicals used. I didn't know a whole lot yet about the pajama industry. I think like the average person, I looked at an organic label versus a non-organic label. And I thought that has to be better, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I started with it. And it led very quickly within the basically the first month of starting my business and selling. As I did more research, I wondered why nobody in Canada was making organic cotton pajamas for kids. I found it very strange. Found it strange that none, when I went to market, no one was selling pajamas. Let me ask you, was buying your daughter organic clothing something that you had thought of before researching uh, for this business or it was just to make your daughter better fitting clothing? It started as the better fitting clothing. Okay. I found in Canada, we're not really, the organic clothing isn't really being pushed on us yet or marketed to us yet. It's starting, it's mm. it's out there, but it's not like it is in Europe or in the state where you go into the stores and there's the availability of organic cotton clothing for kids is everywhere. Here, it's not so much. And I didn't know a whole lot at the beginning. I kind of just did what I thought everyone was supposed to do. I bought my sleepers from Costco. I, you know, I, I just kind of followed along with what marketing was telling me to do. And I didn't really know a lot about it until I started my business and did the research. Mm -hmm. I think you had mentioned once that, correct me if, I wrong, if I'm wrong, but when your daughter was little, she developed like a, some rashes? She did. And I didn't know what was causing it. So I kind of started to question everything, right? Like, what were we eating? What kinds of chemicals were in the soaps that we were using? That was kind of the turning point for everything for me in terms of I started to look at baby products and realized that there was so much, many more chemicals in baby products than there were in half of the adult products that I have. Then I started to look at the clothing and the pajamas specifically. And that's when I started to do a bit of research around why weren't people selling pajamas. And that's when I learned about all the chemicals that are sprayed on PJs and that all those fabrics are being treated. So I found out very quickly when I started selling organic cotton pajamas, most people have absolutely no idea that kids' PJs and sleepers are being chemically treated to make them uh, flame resistant. Mm -hmm. So they're all being treated with flame retardants. 
And there's tons of research out there still right now that tells us that the chemicals in those flame retardants have all sorts of negative effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just did the math in my head and I thought I've got a baby that spends more than half of her days in sleepers and our skin is our biggest organ. We are absorbing those chemicals. Yeah. And we don't even realize it. Like you don't think about it because if you don't see a side effect right away, like a skin rash with it, which is very visible, you think everything's fine. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. 100%. It's one of those invisible toxins, right? Mm-hmm. You don't see it so you don't think about it. And nobody, I mean, the big, big clothing companies don't really want you to know about it because mm-hmm. they want you to keep buying. And I hear lots of people say, well, it's okay. I'll just wash it and mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, it'll be better. Well, the the research that I did told me that when a company has to test its fabric to see if the flame retardant is still strong enough on the fabric, it's actually after about 50 washes. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. So the whole like, oh, it's okay. I'll just wash it before I wear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So so before we dive into all that part first, I just wanted you to tell the listeners what exactly did you have to do in you had the petite chouffleur design for baby sleepers. What were you doing? You were a one woman business like you, (laughs) you were doing everything, I think, pretty much for, for the year. What exactly were you doing? What part? The design, the sewing? Tell the listeners so they better understand what was involved in your process. I, yep, you're right. I did everything. I, and sometimes I look back and I think, I, that was crazy. I can't believe what I was doing with a newborn. Um, I designed all my own pieces because, again, it was around fit and I wanted things to fit well. So I did all of my own designs, which I don't have a background in pattern design or drafting. So that in itself, every time I had to look at designing, I had to spend hours kind of educating myself on that. I sourced all my own fabrics. From where did you source them? My main fabrics in the U.S. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I couldn't, I tried so hard to find organic cotton that was produced in Canada that had great prints on it. And Mm. it's non-existent. There is nowhere in Canada that manufactures organic cotton printed textiles. There are some places that do just solids, but you cannot get it here in Canada. And it was important to me. I wanted to try and do as much as as of it as I could in Canada. And that's just, you cannot do that here. So I sourced my main fabrics from the States and then my kind of supplementary fabrics that I used on my pieces, which would have been kind of the cuffs and the collars, those things I sourced from a company out of Vancouver Island that specializes in bringing in really beautiful GOT certified fabrics from Europe. So I sourced fabrics and then I did all my own sewing. Then I did all the business stuff on the back end. So I did all my own social media. I did all my own advertising. I was selling at market. So market applications and getting booths set up and constructing booths. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ran all my own market. So I didn't have anybody there. It was me and I sold my stuff myself. 
And for your sleepers, the um, the patterns you had, because you had some sleepers without the feet, and then you had the traditional baby sleepers. Did you choose the design based on a few styles you liked and incorporate the, the design, or you just thought of, okay, I need this, I can't find it, I'll just make a new design? It was kind of a, a bit of both. I found with my daughter with the sleepers with the feet on them that she wasn't actually growing out of the sleeper itself. She was just growing in length and kind of out the feet. Mm-hmm. And so I decided, well, it would make a lot more sense if they didn't have the feet on them and they had just the cuffs on the bottom because then you could make them a little longer, roll them up, and it would extend the life of the sleeper. It was really important to me that if I was going to design a piece that was made with higher-end fabric that was going to be more expensive and therefore make my product more expensive, I wanted it to last. I wanted to go against the curve of what people were doing and saying, well, it's just for newborns, so it doesn't matter if it if it only lasts for a couple weeks. I wanted my stuff to last for a few months so that people could be buying less and investing in pieces that would last them longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sourcing, sewing and selling organic children clothing, how was it actually different regarding the creating process with regulations that surrounds um, having organic products? Were your products all GOTS certified? So my products weren't GOTS certified. I chose because of what I wanted to do with my company and what I believed in, I chose to only use GOTS certified materials. Okay. So even it. though I wasn't certified, it was my choice that I wouldn't use anything else. Okay. The GOT certification in Canada is a little bit tricky because like you said, it's not really regulated. So those companies that are chasing that GOT certified damp are probably selling more in the US and overseas where they, it's a little bit more important that they have that stamp because you have to follow the regulations of the country that you're selling in. So for me, I wasn't selling in the States. I was only selling in Canada. As long as I was letting my buyers know that I was using GOT certified um, organic textiles, that was enough for me, I felt. Because the cost of trying to certify your product would have been astronomical for a small business. And it wasn't realistic. And, okay. I, and, and I never anticipated to be large enough, really go that way. I didn't chase it at the beginning, no. Okay, so because in Canada it's not regulated, you didn't have to submit some samples for approval or anything like that? No, and for sleepwear in Canada, there are a lot of regulations around what you can and can't do. A lot of people don't realize that if you're choosing not to use fabrics that are treated with flame retardants, then you have to submit your fabrics for flame testing. You have to get back those lab results, and then you actually have to follow a guideline around certain measurements of the garment. There's there's lots of strict regulation around it. So I jumped through all those hoops first and then decided, okay, I was happy with the garment I was producing. It met all of those regulations. And that was what was important to me. In Canada, you don't have to submit anything and have it approved for that. You just have to follow it. And if somebody were to complain to Health Canada, then they would investigate. Mm. You followed the requirements for Canada and for the U.S.? I started out by following the Canada and U.S. guidelines because I thought I'd go into the U.S. market. 
But as all twists and turns with small business, you discover really quickly that things aren't as simple as you thought. And exactly like you asked, you know, did I think it was going to be the way it was? I thought it would be easier. I thought that it would be more straightforward. And it's really hard to find information. It's really difficult to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And it became very challenging to try and enter another market. So even though the American regulations are much easier to find and much easier to follow than the Canadian ones, I settled into just following the Canadian regulations. After kind of my first run, I did my first set of markets and I made sure all my labeling was good for US and Canada. And then I dropped the requirements for the US because I wasn't going to be selling in the US. Mm. So how long do you think it took you for really designing the first sleeper until you actually started using the first one for your daughter? So the entire process, how many months did it take you? I would say it was somewhere roughly between three and four months of pretty solid work on one garment. And after that, it was easier because you had the standards. Yeah. And then it was just tweaking. So mm-hmm. as I feedback from customers, I made changes as I worked on them. I found new ways of doing things that I thought looked better or, you know, halfway through I switched over and added two-way zippers on them, for example, you know, mm-hmm. just, just things that now that I had my basic design, I was like, okay, how can I make this better? A lot of mothers and a lot of parents are often doubting, is it really organic? Is it really worth it? Like the statistics as in Canada, only 48% press organic logos. And it's, I mean, for food, it's more regulated, but for clothing, it's like, hmm, who can we trust? So what would you say to that parent, to that mother, and which ones can we absolutely trust? I would say that you should never, never, never stop doubting any of these logos because as much as it, as we'd love for it to be as easy to pick something up and see that it has a stamp on it and say, oh, great, perfect. I can trust this. Companies are always finding ways around it. Mm. So it's really disheartening (laughs) and a little bit depressing. It's becoming really important for us as consumers to pause and really question our purchases and really question the companies that we're buying from. So who can we trust? Again, it's tricky because there are big companies out there that are putting organic stamp on things. And I have stood in some of these stores, held up the garment, see that it says on one tag, it'll say organic cotton. But then when I look into the garment and I look at the tag on the inside of the garment, it just says cotton. It doesn't say organic cotton. Oh, wow. It's about (laughs) reading labels. It's like food. You have to read the labels on the clothing you're buying. A hundred percent. You have to treat textiles and and accessories the same way that we've started to get really good at scrutinizing our food labels and saying, okay, you know, it says it, you know, free from this or free from that. And then turning the product over and really reading the ingredients. Same thing on our clothing and same thing with toys, you know, looking to see what is it actually made of. Same thing with food. Do I recognize the ingredients? 
because the same thing happens with our garment. There's lots of things that they put on the labels or different things that are in the fabrics when natural is always going to be better. The more cotton, the more linen, the more wool, and the less polyester, spandex, man-made, all these things that you potentially can't pronounce is going to be better for your skin and for the environment, for the production of mm. When you had your business, because you had it for from 2017 to 2018, what were the main comments you were receiving from your customers about your organic pajamas and who were actually buying them? It was interesting because when I first started, people would really stand and look at the tags and, and ask the question about, well, why does this matter? Why do I, why do I want organic pajamas? And that kind of led into the conversation around the chemicals. Um, and that was kind of the number one question. Do I really need it to be organic? Well, need, I mean, we need to clothe them. Let's be honest. But at the end of the day, if you could buy just three sleepers and have them be organic cotton instead of 15 that aren't, better off. People were a little bit skeptical around why it would cost so much more. There's still, I think, an education piece that needs to be done in Canada around when we don't produce things in Canada, it's very expensive to import them. And things like organic cotton, especially got certified, there's some really important things that happen down that line in terms of taking care of the farmers and the manufacturers that make that particular textile that just costs more. We want to be able to buy inexpensive things. I think sometimes don't want to look at the cost of that to our the manufacturers or the farmers. So we are then supporting those places in a lot of them that are in Asia that are supplying these fabrics and not paying their workers very well and have really bad conditions. Mm-hmm. Were people buying them as gifts or because for health reasons or just for their own satisfaction of knowing, I think this is good, so that's why I'm buying it? It's a combination. So depending on what, a lot of it depended on venues. So sometimes when I would do trade shows that were around Christmas time, then you'd get a lot of the gift buying happening. Then the the other side of that were more educated buyers and they were the ones that if I had new releases come out, I would list them, I would open up my online store and they would buy six or seven of them right off the bat. Mm. They knew that they couldn't get them anywhere else in Canada and they had kind of found me and they were happy with the quality and they were happy to support a Canadian business. And that's kind of one of the pieces that I heard a lot was people saying, I can't find this anywhere else. And I'm so happy to have found a small business that I can support, but get a great product in return. Where are you located? Because for the listeners, we're talking about Canada, but you're located in Calgary, yeah. in Calgary. Yeah, okay. Calgary. Um, one of the reason I thought of you is I have a background in fashion design and marketing. So textile has always been really important for me. And when I had kids, I was like, okay, I want to see if there's organic clothing for kids. And I was trying to find in Canada because with the import fees from the U.S., I mean, sometimes it gets so expensive. So I actually found your website and I was like, eh, she's from Alberta. I'm from Alberta. Oh man, I have to order from her and like see how they are. And the, your prints were so adorable, like so <laughs> cute. And 
I just, I kept buying them and it, they were wonderful and so soft and the material was really thick. And that's one thing I love because, you know, at night, sometimes it gets cold. They, they move around so much that they don't have any blankets. So the material was really thick and really beautiful print. And that's why I kept going back to you. So you decided to close your business a year after it seemed to be doing really well. I mean, you were selling out. And if if you weren't one of the first ones, like the cute prints would be sold out. I mean, even Jillian Harris had one of your sleepers and she had featured it on her Instagram. So why? Why did you decide to close it? Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I basically closed at what was starting to be the the height of my popularity. I wanted to be at home with my daughter and doing something to keep me busy. But what was happening was I was working and I was starting to have like asking family if they could take care of my daughter. Like I, I was having to work more because I was so busy and the demand was becoming so high that I, I couldn't keep up. And I knew I was facing a situation where I personally could not keep sewing every single piece by hand myself. I was going to have to outsource. I was going to have to look at having my pieces manufactured. When I started to look at it, I started to really question why I was doing it and why did I start the business in the first place? I just decided that as much as I had loved seeing my business grow and seeing people learn from it and become educated and and really see people start to question those organic stamps and, and see reasons for why it mattered and why it's good to do things that are better for the environment, I decided I needed to do something different and this wasn't working for me anymore. And I was really proud of myself for being able to step back and say, even though the business has only been open for a year and a half and it's doing amazing, I could really make a go of this because there was nothing else in Canada like it to step back and say, I'm going to put myself and my family first and do something different where the balance be better. Yeah. So since then, you've set a goal of not buying any clothes and just sewing them all yourself. You're sewing your own clothing. I think you're sewing for your daughter as well. Are you still doing this? And until when will you do it? And (laughs) what motivated you to do this? Because it's not it's not common these days. No, it it isn't common. You start when you start to kind of look into the the sewing world, it is a little bit more common um, that there are lots of women out there that are doing this. But yes, I'm still doing it. I kind of have chosen to live by like the 80-20 rule where I try to make 80% of my clothes and my daughter's clothes. And then the other 20%, I give myself some grace and say that I can't do it all. And then I try to buy as kind of eco-conscious companies as I can and make sure that I'm buying organic fabric where I can. It's been good, but it's been hard. Um, There's definitely been times where I like changes of season and I'm like, I don't have anything to wear. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where that 20% kind of kicks in sometimes. And then I have to plan a little bit around what to make and what to wear. Mm -hmm. It's just a shift of the way you think about things though, because, because I don't shop the way I used to, I can look at my wardrobe and see where the holes are and what I, what I truly need. Um, 
um, you know, winter got colder here recently and was like, I really need warmer winter pants. Well, I don't need 10 pairs of them. I don't need five pairs of them. I probably really only need two pairs. And that's really doable to make myself two pairs of pants. It's just that shift. And once I got into that mindset of shifting and saying, I'm going to do this, it actually became pretty easy. Are you making yourself organic clothing? I am using as many eco-friendly fabrics as I can. So lots of organic cotton. And then I use a lot of Tencel and Lyocell blends. I know a lot of people have heard of bamboo and that bamboo Mm -hmm. is a really e-conscious plant to be using to make textiles and it is good but I liked I looked I did a bit of research and I've learned a bit of round tensile and it's a little bit better than bamboo so I keep researching and looking for ways to choose fabrics that are better for the environment in production and then of course are going to be better to wear because they don't have the chemicals in them got it okay so let's dive deep into the organic baby and kids clothing Let's just start by defining what is organic fabric. Organic fabric means that there hasn't been any chemicals used on the actual plant. So in the soil and then in the spraying, there's no pesticides used on the plants before they harvest the plant and then produce or weave that into a textile. Which fabric are used for organic agriculture? Which are the main ones? For the most part, it's cotton. I mean, cotton is the big one that they can produce organically. Bamboo is in essence organic. Um, Bamboo just grows like a weed. So no, there's nothing generally being used on bamboo and they don't, they don't certify it organic. But when you look into kind of the research on it and, and bamboo is organic just by the way it's made. When you think about it, bamboo is made to use flooring. It's a hard wood. So in order to take it from a hard wood to make it a really soft textile, it needs to be broken down a lot. And the process of breaking it down is with chemicals. The organic label is typically only attached to cotton because the way that the cotton can be harvested without the use of chemicals. Mm -hmm. You look at two sleepers just a regular manufactured baby pajama and then a certified organic baby pajama. By looking at them, can you tell the difference or is it by touching them or just different tags and content? What's the difference? It's just different tags and content. Um, I think that organic cotton is softer. Personally, that being said, I've also felt some pretty stiff more starchy organic cotton. So you generally can't tell by touching it. But I deal with so many fabrics now that for the most part, I can touch a fabric and I can tell you if there's man-made material in it or Mm. if it is organic or not. It generally tends to have a bit of a softer feel to it, to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, side by side, you would never know the difference between one or the other. Okay. Can organic clothing be sprayed with any products during the production, like chemical free all the time? Or sometimes it can be sprayed even though it says certified organic fabric. 
you could treat organic fabric with a flame retardant to make the pajamas in theory. But if a company is going to go to the length to buy and source an organic cotton fabric, they're going to want to market that. And the marketing around that then is that it's free from chemicals. Mm. That fabric in itself is probably about three times the cost of non-organic cotton. So it wouldn't make sense for them to take it and then put chemicals on top of it. Mm. Um, it just it just wouldn't make sense. Um, so for the most part, you're you're pretty safe to assume that if they've got the organic tagging on it, then it's going to be free from chemicals. The other way to check for that is that because it's free from chemicals, it needs to be snug fitting. So pajamas really across the world, one of the main requirements is if it's not going to have a flame retardant in the material, the pajama itself needs to be snug fitting. So it's going to have cuffs around the wrists and the feet around the ankles, and it's going to be a slim fit, tight fit on the kid when you put it on. Those are kind of the things you're looking for that, okay, you've got those two things. And often they will say right on the labeling that these pajamas are made to be snug fit, or it'll say something around uh, that this product is essentially flammable and not, not treated with a flame retardant. Okay, so let's talk about flame retardants since you're talking about that right now. I was shocked when I started buying baby sleepers, especially, and you would see those huge yellow tags and keep away from fire or be more likely to catch fire. And I'm like, why would I have my child next to a flammable thing? I'm like, it, it was like I started questioning it. Why would they need to specify that like for a child's safety, you wouldn't put your child next to something flammable. I just have to ask why. Is there statistics about kids catching on fire or whatnot? Well, the history of it goes back to the 1940s. And there were some really horrific accidents in the 1940s around um, kids being burned. The trouble with it is, is that times have changed. We we don't do things, well, most people maybe, maybe some people do, but generally we don't smoke in bed as often. Mm. We don't, you know, um, some of the things that happened in the 40s around where there were open sources of fire in homes aren't as common nowadays, but our regulations haven't caught up. Mm. So in the 1950s, the what they called the Flammable Fabrics Act was passed. And that meant that Kids' PJs and mattresses all had to have, they had to be flame resistant. So the fabric needed to have something on it to make it flame resistant. And that was kind of what they put in to deal with what had happened. But we just, we haven't caught up. So those Mm. low tags, that's actually an American regulation that if you're not going to use a flame retardant, you have to hang these giant yellow, terrifying tags product. And I say terrifying because when I first started and I followed the American regulations, I got those tags and I put them on and I can tell you the look on people's faces when they would look at the tag when I was at a market and they'd be like oh yes I thought I can't do this this is this is people are just looking at this and walking away because we're not used to seeing them in Canada as much as they are in the state so So you're saying in the state they need to put these tags on but in Canada it's not required yet Exactly. In the States, you do not put a flame retardant on the fabric. You must have the yellow hang tag that says that the fabric hasn't been treated and essentially could be flammable. 
so it's a specific spray that they put at the end of the production? Yeah, in, in theory, it should make it so that the fabric won't catch on fire. The interesting thing is, is when I had my fabric flammability tested, the idea is that you send it to a lab and they essentially try to light your fabric on fire. And if your fabric catches fire after so many seconds, then it doesn't pass and you can't use that fabric for pajamas. Well, cotton isn't flammable. So I think they tested my fabric 10 times. It doesn't catch fire. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a bit frustrating because um, if the garment is snug fitting and it doesn't allow any oxygen to, to be between the skin and the fabric, cotton is, is quite difficult to catch on fire. So I think my lab test came back that on one of the 10 tests that they did, there was a very, very slight burn mark. And that was it. I've never heard that before. That's so interesting. Kids pajamas, they'll use polyester because polyester can't catch on fire. So that's one that they'll use, but polyester melt. Mm. So the, the child would still get burned. Exactly. If it melts. Exactly. It just so, it doesn't catch fire, but it melts. Exactly. Huh. I was actually in the baby store this week and it had some organic sleepers made from the States and I was looking at them and I knew I was talking with you today. So I checked if they had the tag and of course they had this huge yellow tag and I thought, okay, but this is organic. So I'll read exactly what it said. So it says for child safety, the garment should fit snugly. This garment is not flame resistant. Loose fitting garments are more likely to catch fire. Yeah. It scared me like when I would see that tag on a child garment and baby garments. I'm like, whoa, what does this mean? Well, yeah. And your brain automatically says, why would I buy this over the one that doesn't have the tag? Yes. And the problem is, is the tag doesn't give enough information. And really what should be happening is the other garments should be tagged that says mm -hmm. this product is made with a chemical flame retardant. So that people can say, oh, do I want to pick the chemical over the natural? Like, yeah, it's, I think, pretty standard for us now, too, where we're over tagging, it seems like, the things that are better for us and giving less information about the things that maybe aren't so great for us. Do you know specifically if there's different products? Do they have to spray it with different chemicals or there's one specific chemical they use? So manufacturers don't have to actually tell us what they're spraying on the mm. fabric. So we have no idea what they're using anymore. And my understanding is there's a number of different flame retardants that can be used. Mm -hmm. Each company has its own kind of makeup of what's in it. A really, really excellent Netflix documentary that talks about this and the flame retardants on PJs um, is called Stink. And he actually tries to, a single dad trying to figure out the contents of the flame retardant sprayed on um, his kid's pajamas. Anyone that wants to, to know more about it, it's fascinating to watch. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that. So what's your recommendation for uh, parents that are buying flame retardant pajamas? Should we put it on older kids or younger kids or does it matter? I think at the end of the day, it is what it is. And, and our, our industry hasn't quite caught up with um, what we'd like to see carried in the stores. So mm -hmm. we don't always have the choice. And so we might be stuck with PJs 
that might have flame retardants on them. I don't think there's a huge difference between younger kids and older kids. The only difference being a baby generally is in their sleeper 24 hours a day at first versus older kids that just wear them at night. So less exposure, less time on the skin. So Mm -hmm. maybe then it matters a little bit less. I would say, you know, kind of the opposite of what the industry tells you that you should almost spend a little bit more money on the organic pieces when they're younger because they are wearing them for a longer period of time is my opinion. And then maybe worry about it less as they wear them less. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we're going to see, we are starting to see some of the bigger retailers come up with organic cotton options. So just looking and, and keep looking for them and keep asking about them. And hopefully we'll start to see more and more of them. I think we will. I think people want them. So I think we will. Mm -hmm. I'll just read something I found for the consumer reports for flame retardants. So it says that flame retardants in particular are commonly used on almost all international shipments of clothing, meaning if it's made overseas and doesn't have an organic certification, it's probably sprayed with flame retardants. Indicate that the flame retardant chemicals used in children's clothing are required to be non-toxic, but manufacturers are not required to label chemicals they use. So if they use chemicals, we don't know about it. Yeah. And and who decides what's toxic and what's not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The organic baby clothing, do they last longer? Like, do they hold up longer for wash and wear? I think they do. Because the plant isn't being treated with a chemical that breaks it down, and it's a more in its natural state when it's being woven, I think that the actual fabric lasts longer. Okay. Did you require to do some testing? I wasn't required to, but okay. I mean, in the process of designing it, you kind of, my kid was wearing all of the stuff months and months before I released anything. So I okay. knew for myself that it was going to stand up because it was standing up to all of my washing. Which would you say is the best fabric for kids? Any of the natural fabrics, great for being durable with kids. So anything in the summer that's made from cotton or linen, linen is a fabulous fabric for kids. Again, the price point is always a little bit higher, but it's incredibly durable and stains come out better. It lasts longer. It can be washed a lot and it, and it can be beat up a little bit and it'll still withstand. Same thing with I mean, wool is really good. There's some amazing, um, I think there's a company on Vancouver Island. Yeah, We Woolies make. I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Again, super durable, temperature regulating for kids, higher price point, but so worth it. So cotton, wool, linen, the natural stuff is is always going to be better because it's durable and we want our kids stuff to be durable. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have the names of some harmful chemicals or or sprays that actually go on commercially manufactured fabrics? No. So you kind of have to trust in their fabric, right? Unless it has the God certification. If they say it's organic, you pretty much have to take their word for it. Yeah. And just double check the labels on the inside. Yeah. Okay. 
So for parents out there, this might seem like so overwhelming, uh, but basically you're saying they have to read the labels, see what's the fabric, fabric content, but there's other words mothers can look on the labels um, apart from the actual fabric content that will reveal if the clothing has been coated with chemicals. Yeah, you're you're watching for any of those kind of catchphrases around water repellent or that they're wicking or wrinkle-free is a big one that's going to have something sprayed on it. So any of the things that they're trying to sell to us that make fabrics wonderful, unfortunately, that typically means it's a chemical that's been added. Because if you look at linen, linen wrinkles like anything you know, our, our, our natural fabrics, they're, they're not going to be necessarily water repellent and the things that they're selling us on the other one. Got it. Got it. I have some questions about the colors because think that it's better for especially newborns to buy a fabric in a natural looking color because then it wouldn't have chemicals in the dye. You use a lot of beautiful colors and prints in your organic sleepers. Are there natural dyes for printing? There are. So there's natural dyes and then you there's ways that they can be non-toxic. So for me, I chose a printer that was using non-toxic dyes. You'll notice that with When I was picking, I didn't go for any dark colors because with the non-toxic dyes, they fade. Part of them being non-toxic is that they don't have that color retention in them and they don't have the chemical that holds the color for longer. So they will fade. So yes, lighter Mm. colors or pastel colors, they're going to stay longer. But as long as it's a non-toxic dye, then it's the same as... GOT certification will mean that the dyes they used are non-toxic. So you can rest assured in that, or if they say it's made with with non-toxic dyes, you'll notice colors are usually a little less bright, vibrant. But you wouldn't be able to tell from the labels? No, no. Okay, got it. Um, That's probably why a lot of the newborn pajamas, they're like ivory, white, light blue, light pink, all those pastels. I was always wondering because I love bold and bright colors, but I would always see neutral colors, soft uh, yellow and that. So if they're not buying organic, they can stick to neutral colors. That would be one way. Okay. Now, does organic clothing have to be 100% organic to get, let's talk about the GOT stamp of approval, or um, to be labeled as organic? How much of the actual garb has to be? Labeling is kind of an interesting beast. So there's all kinds of crazy rules around labeling. Every fiber that's in a piece of clothing that's 5% or more of the mass of the piece of clothing has to be declared on the label. If it's less than 5% of the mass, you don't even have to declare it on the label. Mm. So the whole got stamp is kind of separate from, and this is, and these are Canadian laws. So this Mm -hmm. is just labeling in Canada. The got stamp really is separate and and can really just apply to 95% of the mass of the garment, whereas 5% could be something else. Mm -hmm. You rarely see 100% organic when you, you're buying the clothing. It's usually like 95.5 or something like that. 
Yes. So that's the big one. It's super rare to get 100% organic cotton because nowadays we have kind of been conditioned to look for clothing that has stretch in it. Mm -hmm. And part of that, a little bit of that plays in with the snug fitting. So where the rules around things being snug fitting, the manufacturers of the garments are saying, okay, well, if we put some spandex or lycra into it, then we can make things really snug fitting, but they'll still fit a wide range of, of body sizes for kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's so common for us to just assume almost that things are going to be stretchy because that's kind of what we're used to seeing. When I made my pieces, I very purposely left out that 5% stretch. I did not want it. I wanted 100% organic cotton. And the reasoning behind that was, A, there really isn't a lot of choices out there for 100% cotton. And B, I, I knew a lot of people who had kids that had skin allergies that couldn't even have spandex in their clothes. And they were really struggling to find options. And I thought, mm. well, if I can... I would like the pieces that I make to have as little lycra as possible so that I can then appeal to those who are, are looking for that low lycra content. So it was mm-hmm. 100% organic co- uh, cotton except for trimmings, which is also a, another rule is about <laughs> surface area. So the surface area and then what you have to claim is in the garment. So mm-hmm. that's how I was able to do it. The main body of the pajamas didn't have any stretch in it. But like you said, it's kind of interesting because Um, depending on how garments are woven, there can be a little bit of give in the fabric without Mm -hmm. it actually having any spandex or lycra in it. That's just the weave. Let's talk more about the GOTS label and what does it mean for everyone that's listening because we're not all familiar about this. I really wasn't even myself uh, before I prepared for this interview. (laughs) Uh, So tell us, what do you know about this label? What does it mean? I have found some stats, but I'll let you talk first about it and your experience with it. So it's a super technical label and it's got lots of technical background to it. But really, really basically what it means is that for something to have a GOTS label on it throughout the production of that particular fabric, it means that there were certifications that were put in place. So I'll compare it to uh, something that just says organic cotton versus GOTS. So GOTS means that there are certifications put in place for the farmer who farms the cotton. It says that they can't use chemicals, the environment, the working environment for the people that work on the farm. They have to be paid proper living wages. Like there's all kinds of regulations in order for a farm that farms organic cotton to be certified, GOTS certified. And then that particular cotton moves over to Um, manufacturing facility where, again, there's now rules on that manufacturing facility that has to be followed for those workers and the work environment and how then the fabric is produced. Again, no chemicals can be used and the workers have to be compensated appropriately for their work and fair living wages again. So the GOT certification follows kind of this chain for the actual fabric, which is why I love it because I feel like if I'm going to spend the money on an organic cotton piece, I want to make sure that everywhere down the line it was done properly and I want to be supporting farms and manufacturing facilities that are supporting people properly and paying them proper living wages and giving Mm -hmm. them good work environment. Is this label an international label? 
It's an international label. Okay. It's huge in Europe. The company that I currently work for that brings in fabric, I would say the majority of our fabrics that we bring in that are GOTS actually come from Europe, even though the United States is one of the largest manufacturers. Consumers in Europe are really taking a stand and they want to see the GOT stamp. So I'm hoping we're not too far behind. So basically, we can say to parents out there, you can trust this label. It's certain that it's organic. It, there's no chemicals to simplify it. If they really want to buy without any worries, they can buy a piece with a GOTS stamp. Yes, I would say that if if it's really important to you and you want to look for a label that you can trust in the organic industry, then yes, because it's it's very difficult for a farm manufacturer, textile maker to actually get that stamp. So once they have it, they want to maintain it. My understanding, too, is that it's constantly being inspected as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about price mm -hmm. here, because usually when you talk to someone and they don't know much about it, they always go to the price. They check the price. It's so expensive. Like, why would I buy? It's only a piece of clothing. I know you haven't used uh, got stamps on your pajamas, but mm -hmm. let's talk for your experience using organic fabric. How much does, does it increase the price on your final product? Percentage a lot. Or, <laughs> a lot? Yeah. A lot. So I would say that a GOT certified organic fabric, if I were to compare, fabrics are bought in meters or yards. So if I were to compare one meter of GOT certified organic fabric to just like a regular cotton, not even an organic cotton, mm -hmm. I would say you're looking at the difference of even like $5 a yard or meter. GOT certified, you're looking at closer to about $30. Okay. Non-organic will be around five. Organic cotton that isn't got certified. If there's nothing special about it, yeah, yep. printed. If it's just a basic color, you could. It, the price of it is coming down. So we are seeing the price of those solids coming down for organic cotton that doesn't have the got certification. But the got certification really ramps the price up, mm. and it is understandable because the price of manufacturing it and paying people mm -hmm. the wages is a lot higher. How much have you seen prices like on the market for a GOT certified baby pajama? Just so the listeners can have, a, can understand. So if they're shopping, they'll know, okay, kind of in this price range, this is normal just for basic yeah. like piece. The larger manufacturers that are producing GOT certified pieces, you're looking in and around the $30 Canadian range. The smaller manufacturers who don't have the ability to kind of make en masse as much, mm -hmm. you're looking anywhere between $40 and $60, depending okay. on sizes and the piece. Two-piece pajamas for older kids, you are looking anywhere between $40 and $60, just depending on the prints. Okay. so. You can't increase your margins that much because it's already higher price than pajamas. There was a huge difference between my less educated buyers around understanding the organic industry versus the people who understood it. So the people who understood it didn't seem to have an issue with the pricing. And it really generally wasn't a question. The people who didn't understand it as much, yeah, there was big balking at the price tag. Mm -hmm. um, people <laughs> would look at it and go, I can't, th I, 
this is how much this costs. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to kind of navigate that a little bit and try to help give a little bit of information and, and help people understand a little bit, but, and it, and it is tough when you do have the larger retailers out there that are pumping out what they're, what they're stamping as organic clothing, mm-hmm. but the prices are still really low. Mm-hmm. That's not helping our mm-hmm. customer understand the value exactly. of shopping organic. Yeah. And I mean, the last few years, I've seen so many, even small businesses uh, marketing eco-conscious clothing or organic clothing. But you know what? Thinking about it, I don't see many got certified for kids. Mostly are just marketed organic fabric. Would you say, especially for a small business, it, it gets so expensive having that stamp that they're not using it? Yeah, it, our our consumer hasn't quite caught up to be demanding it yet. So mm-hmm. until our consumers are saying, no, I, I want to see the stamp, then it doesn't make sense for small businesses to be taking the huge cuts to their profits to have mm-hmm. the stamp when currently not many people care. My reasoning behind it and, and why it was important for me were just my own personal values and ethics. I, I wanted to run a company that was as supportive of an eco-friendly industry as much as humanly possible. So it wasn't just about selling organic. It was it was about making sure I had using the, the GOTS certified textiles so that I could support the industry, even though it was mm-hmm. a little bit ahead of the demand. I'm very, very hopeful that we're going to catch up in Canada and that it's mm-hmm. going to become a bigger deal and that people are going to start wanting it. The availability of GOT certified fabrics is more and more and more every year. And again, as it's more available, the price of it will come down, which means the price of, of the garments can come down too. Mm-hmm. You said you were comparing it to like in Canada, we're not as aware demanding of it right now. Do you see it more common in Europe or in the United States? Is that where you're kind of comparing it? Europe is definitely ahead of us for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, I would say even the States is becoming more conscious about it. And but then they seem to have more manufacturers that are putting the stamp on so maybe because they see it more mm-hmm. they're then asked for it more i used to get about a dozen emails a week from american customers who would beg me to ship stuff across the border to them mm-hmm. um which i thought was very interesting because they're looking and they're obviously wanting it down there whereas i almost felt like sometimes i was having to to really help people understand why this was something they wanted in canada so i do think we're a little bit behind in canada mm. versus the states mm. as well okay so let's talk about decoding some labels because parents out there uh, mothers listening they might get confused because we see so many different version of what natural let's say so i'm i'll just going to list you a few and you can kind of tell me what's the difference. They're not all organic, but it's what I've seen and heard by clothing companies. So you have eco-friendly, sustainable fashion, organically grown, natural fabric, recycled. These are a few I've seen, but what's the difference? Because it sounds good, but what does it really mean? Yeah, well, it's tricky because, again, all of those statements aren't regulated, right? So Mm. we have this 
thing that's going on right now. And it's kind of, it's, it's labeled as greenwashing. So Mm. customers know that right now consumers are starting to look for some of those catchphrases, eco-friendly, natural, you know, that, that we're conscious of those things right now. So, um, Companies are putting some of those things on labels. Again, okay, eco-friendly. What does that mean? Well, in comparison to what is the question, right? Mm. So when we don't know what what they're comparing it to, eco-friendly, well, anything can be more eco-friendly than something else, let's be honest. Mm. That's where things like that GOT certification stamp really help us understand that this is a much more eco-friendly product. There aren't chemicals being used in the air, in the soil, in the environment. It's more eco-friendly for the farmers. It's a better work environment. But when we just see environmentally conscious or eco-friendly, sustainable, yeah. su- sustainable it's tricky to pull that apart. Um, sustainable fabrics in general, the trend is that they are better than a man-made material. That's what they're alluding to with. So when we talk about sustainable fabrics, we're talking about fabrics that for the most part are naturally going to break down at the end of their life cycle. They're more sustainable because they'll last while we're using them, but when it's time for them to hit the landfill, they will break down better than something, for example, like polyester, which will never break down. Mm. And when we talk about recycle, because you see there's some companies for kids, they use like scraps of old materials from different companies, piece them together. It's like a puzzle piece as a t-shirt. Or- yeah, there's there's a couple of different trends in recycled uh, materials. So one is, like you said, um, there is a really adorable little boot company out of Canada that uses... Um, old blankets and they take Mm. parts of the blankets and they sew them all together to make these little boots. So again, we're recycling that fabric into a new garment. And then the other trend we're seeing is actual textiles that are being made from recycled materials. So big, big trend right now is uh, recycled plastic. They're actually able to break down plastic into these little beads that they then break down further and they actually are able to make thread out of it and weave it into a textile. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's a fantastic new thing that's being done. Um, we will have to kind of watch and see how many chemicals are used in that process. Yeah. But We can't get rid of these plastics. Mm -hmm. So this is a great way to turn it into something usable. It's super, super big in um, the swimsuit industry right now. You'll see companies talking about how many water bottles are used to make this garment. And it's also being used in, um, I know there's a specific factory right now in Taiwan that's producing amazing blends of organic cotton with recycled um, recycled mm. plastic and what they're calling recycled cotton. And they're using it for all kinds of different textiles. So mm-hmm. it is becoming the trend. You are going to start seeing on the labels more and more that there's a recycled content in there. And that's a great thing to look for. So what are some, if you can call it traps, when you're buying organic clothing for kids, what should parents keep their eyes out of? Is there things that we should just think about when we're we're shopping for, let's say, pajamas? I think it's one of those things that you have to keep in the back of your mind that 
if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> so when you stumble onto um, organic cotton PJs from a very large manufacturer, very large clothing company, and they're really cheap, um, you, you have to ask yourself why. Um, and you have to ask yourselves, just like any piece of clothing, organic or not, we know that when we buy from maybe smaller retailers that are a little bit more invested and their price point is a little higher, generally speaking, those pieces are going to last us longer and we're not going to have the issues that you, the quality of the sewing or mm-hmm. the dyes bleeding, things like that. So, and that's kind of a general trap for garments. I think it's about shifting our perspective a little bit and saying, okay, I'm going to look for a little bit higher quality, a little bit higher price point from from some of the smaller retailers. And just like we talked about before, really double checking that label inside the garment. I know there's one store I went into where it had the organic stamp on it and checking the labels. I couldn't actually see the word organic anywhere inside the garment. So it's just double checking and then just trusting your gut. Mm -hmm. That being said, what you can afford is different for everybody. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, choosing an organic cotton product for your kids is better for them and better for the environment, even if it's maybe not the best. So everybody is going to be at a different place and what we can afford and what's doable for us in our family situations. I still think some of those organic pieces from places like H&M and Zara are still going to be better than going for the Mm non-organic cheapos. Yeah. Okay. I have a few quick questions, tips for parents, things they might think about. I know I've thought about, so we'll do those. Would you ever have child wear clothing without washing it first, even organic? I think I'm guilty of this because Mm -hmm. after I did all the research about finding out that washing and washing and washing doesn't really remove much of the chemicals that are in the clothes, I felt like it wasn't maybe the most important thing in the world. I'm still pretty, if I can, I wash my kids' clothing before they wear it just to get any residual stuff off that I can. but I'm totally guilty of never washing my stuff before wearing it. <laughs> I think some, some parents will feel good about this too. Um, okay, so which items of clothing and that not just talking about pajamas, but everything for the body are the most contaminated items that parents should definitely, if they can, invest in buying as organic as possible? Like which top three items you would suggest I would say underwear is my number one thing with kids. Underwear. Buy organic cotton underwear. (laughs) Um, They wear them all day long. So keep the chemicals off of the sensitive parts of the body. Um, For me then, after that is pajamas. Again, long periods of time at night against the skin. Snug fitting means it's right up against the skin. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pieces of clothing where there's a barrier. So coats, jackets, sweaters, stuff like that. It's not right up against the skin. Meh, it's not as important. If it's about for you, the chemical absorption into the body, then those pieces aren't as important. So mm-hmm. socks is a tricky one. Good luck finding organic cotton <laughs> socks. Very, very challenging, especially for children. So I try to do wool in the winter for my daughter where I can. Again, okay. she's in socks most of the day. So those are my my three that I try to focus on. 
you talked about, well, I just thought of something. Um, I see a, a lot of companies, especially in Canada's, the wee woolies, they have like merino wool. They even have merino wool uh, shorts or tanks for summer. And I always thought wool was for colder season. Is it good for hot weathers as well? Yes, wool is is a fantastic, fantastic fiber. And I, like you, didn't understand it until I started working with textiles myself. I mm-hmm. thought wool was winter. In my yes. brain, it was all about winter. But what I've learned is that wool has this amazing way of being temperature regulating for the body. So mm-hmm. when the body is hot, wool will allow it to breathe and cool down. And when the body is cold, wool will act as an insulator. So we are seeing more and more merino wool that's thinner. Sleep sacks that are made of merino wool is the best investment you could make if you want to use a sleep sack for your child. You don't have to flip back and forth between a winter weight, a spring weight, a summer weight. You can use the wool one year round Mm. and you don't have to worry about them being too hot or too cold in it because of the temperature regulating properties of it. That's a good tip. Yeah. And we're seeing lots of the big organic manufacturers coming out with more and more lines, like you said, of wool items. So Wheat Kids out of, they have a Canadian arm now, but they're out of Europe. They've got a big line of merino wool stuff. Nui Organics has a big line of wool stuff. We Woolies is all wool. So we are seeing that move into children's clothing and it's worth investing in for sure. Mm. Okay, so any tip on how parents can save money and buy and still buy organic kids clothing? I think there's a couple of ways you can do it. The first thing you can do is narrow down how many of an item you have in the wardrobe. So Mm. I recently saw this post on Facebook where a mom asked how many pajamas should her daughter have? And I think her daughter was three. Um, And I was astounded by the comments. A lot of people were saying 15, 20 pairs. My daughter has three pairs of pajamas at any given time. Mm -hmm. And now in all fairness, my daughter doesn't wear her pajamas all day long. She only wears (laughs) them at night and in the morning after breakfast, she changes out of them. Mm -hmm. So, but we have three pairs. Therefore I can invest in the quality of those three pairs versus the price of 20 pairs of pajamas. Mm -hmm. So one way you can save money is by just really bringing your kids down to a basic wardrobe and not having as many pieces. And the other way is you can go for the more solids over the prints. So the prints are always going to be a little bit more expensive. A little piece of information about prints, often when we're looking at producing a textile with a print on it that's new and different and exciting, we will actually commission an artist to create that print, which means we have to pay the artist to create the print. And then we usually have to pay a royalty to that artist for the print. So some of the higher end organic companies will have exclusive prints. You're always going to pay more for them because somebody actually drew them, painted them, created them and have, and have to get a cut out of it as well. Mm -hmm. So 
when you take that out and you're just looking at solids, the price point going to come down. Solid basics are more likely to go on sale because they're seasonal colors. You can really watch for those big times of year, Black Friday, Boxing Day. There's usually most companies will have big sales kind of very early spring as they move out their winter colors to bring in their bright summer Mm -hmm. colors. You can really get some good deals if you start to watch companies and see when they do their sales. They typically do them at the same time every year. So (laughs) you can go onto their Instagram or Facebook and you can go back a year and say, oh, okay, they did a sale in October. They did a sale in November and watch for it to come up again. That saved me so much money. I don't Mm. buy anything full price anymore. If there's not a specific print that I want and I just need to save a few bucks, that's how you can do it. Yeah. And then the other way is to buy it secondhand. There are tons and tons of retailers popping up that even have online shopping now that are little, that are secondhand and pieces that are made from higher end fabrics last. So they are popping up in our secondhand shops more and more. um, So you can snag them secondhand. That's great. So where are you at now? You don't have your your shop, but I heard you were consulting for small businesses. Any future plans in that wholesome lifestyle? I, when I closed my store, I kind of got inundated by other small businesses asking for advice, which made me realize really, really quickly, because even for myself, I didn't know who to turn to when I had questions. I, I didn't have anyone else running a small business that I could go to. And so I started originally as a consulting firm, basically for small businesses, and I would help them with small little things that they were needing help with, some online marketing or kind of navigating through some of the regulations. And then I landed up spending the majority of my time actually doing all of the online marketing for this fabric company that I got some of my fabric from on Vancouver Island. And now I pretty much exclusively work for her as her online business manager. So it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting turn because everything I learned to make my small business run didn't go to waste. It's become kind of my full-time job now. It's exciting because it's a fabric company that's really, really focused on bringing in and sourcing eco-conscious fabric and as much organic as possible so that home sewists can use those same fabrics themselves because they've been pretty inaccessible to the home sewist over the last years. And in the last five years, it's starting to become more accessible. So Mm -hmm. it's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you share the name of that company? Yes, it's called Sitka Fabrics, and it's out of Port Alberni on Vancouver Island. So where can our listeners learn more about you? Where are you at? Um, Give us all the details. So I do have a blog that I feel like is sporadically added to. Most of the time now I'm on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram and it's kasha.takma on Instagram. Perfect. I have one last question, and this is a question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So we all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences and keeping motherhood inspired. What one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Um, I would say that I've learned that by slowing down and not being in such a rush and not thinking that I have to get absolutely everything ticked off on my to-do list every day. And that the most important thing is that 
at the end of the day, I don't feel bad about the day. I want to look back on the days and say that I enjoyed the days. So just really slowing down, I found has given me so much more energy and joy throughout my days. So Mm. just not getting so caught up in the got to get here, got to do this, got to, got to do it all. We can do a lot of it, um, but we can do it at a pace that doesn't kill us and leaves us with a little bit of something at the end of the day. Good. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you, Cassia. Oh my gosh. Thank you for, for doing this conversation today. Oh no, thank you for having me. And I hope it's been helpful. I hope, I hope that people are able to take a little piece of it and find what works for their lives. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired Podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>